Hello everyone, I'm Ian McAllister. I'm Oliver Kinner. And I'm Jamie Adams, and this is Brainwaves episode 127, bringing you the best in tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of the 7th of August 2023. Kickstarter walks the line with AI, Drive-Thru stands firmly on one side of the line, and CGE announces ReWood. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. Back in episode 113 of the cast in December last year, we reported on Kickstarter sharing their thoughts on artificial intelligence. Now, almost eight months later, the company is ready to release a policy on the use of artificial intelligence in Kickstarter projects. In a post published on the 1st of August on their website, Kickstarter explains that they will not outright ban projects using AI, as long as they contain what the company calls human creative input, and as long as artists whose work is referenced by the AI are properly credited and have given their permission. To facilitate the new policy, which will take effect on Tuesday the 29th of August, creators using AI will be prompted to share further details during the project submission process. Furthermore, Kickstarter reserves the right to suspend any project that does not properly disclose the use of AI. In the post, Kickstarter summarizes their upcoming policy like this. Do be out on Kickstarter, projects utilizing AI tools for generating images, text, or any other output must disclose relevant details on their project page. This includes information about how the creator plans to use AI content in the project, as well as which elements of the project will be wholly original work and which elements will be created using AI outputs. Projects developing AI technology, tools, or software must disclose information about any databases and data the creator intends to use. The creator must also indicate how these sources handle consent and credit for the data they utilize. If the sources don't have processes or safeguards in place to manage consent, such as through an opt-out or opt-in mechanism, then Kickstarter is unlikely to allow the project. The post further outlines how the additional information is collected and makes it clear that the new policy will continue to be updated as AI technology develops. Well, they're kind of sort of walking the line here a little bit. It's clear that the policy is doing nothing really about stopping AI from being used in projects. All it does is... They won't be able to. No, uh, exactly. It's very difficult to stop AI blanket. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's like, how do you tell? Yes, there are some programs where you can like sort of tell what's happening, like if something has been generated by, by AI, but I can't yeah. really see them being able to sort of stop that. Yes, okay, they can stop maybe like somebody, as they say in that, that piece there, that they can stop like projects making new AIs perhaps, but they can't really stop people using AI in board games for instance which we've already no. seen a little bit of a couple of projects already mm-hmm. to, to me it yeah. just feels like they're saying look tell us if you're using ai and you know tell us how you're using it and all that and if you don't tell us well we can't do anything about it anyway and then <laughs> and the, my favorite bit in actually the second part is the the um seeking consent which seems to be the american approach of through through opt out so basically we yeah. are all going to collect all your data Unless you tell us otherwise. But I don't know, yeah. you're collecting my data? And so, yeah, it's, it's like, no, it should be clearly an opt-in. So, yeah, it's very wishy-washy. It's like, yeah, we're doing something about it. But if people don't tell I'm me they're really. using AI, then we can't do anything about it. So, good luck. That's an incredibly cynical stance to take, Oliver. I Is it? <laughs> Is it? <laughs> no. No, it's not. No, it's very reasonable. But uh, yeah, Kickstarter is not the only company to have planted their flag in the AI battleground in the last couple of weeks, Oliver. 
No, Drive Through RPG, the largest source for role-playing game PDFs, also put out a statement and amended policies with regards to AI content and games. Since March 2023, they have required creators to mark work that contained AI-generated artwork and had banned any standalone artwork products that solely use AI-generated assets. In an update on 19th of July, they added this update. While we value innovation, starting on the 31st of July 2023, Roll20 and drive-through marketplaces will not accept commercial content primarily written by AI language generators. We acknowledge enforcement challenges and trust in the goodwill of our partners to offer customers unique works based primarily on human creativity. As with our AI-generated art policy, community content program policies are dictated by the publisher that owns it. In addition, you are required to mark any product that contains any amount of content generated by AI. Now, we are a drive through RPG affiliate, um, so it seems like a good idea to have this policy um, so you can point at it for the purposes of banning aggregated content that's obviously just yeah. AI, but yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's an interesting one. Again, like, how do you police it? I mean, they are acknowledging that it's hard to police and relying on people to, you know, not do it basically but yeah there's going to be companies springing up surely that are going to do that kind of thing generating rpg adventures with ai yeah yep it's definitely going to happen and exactly how it's going to affect the Absolutely. world of like small small creators is yeah still to be seen because like yeah a lot of people are you know like small adventure pdf selling sort of continuously and lots of them mm, yeah. like, how are they going to be affected by that but just remember, the robots will not replace us. No. <laughs> of course not. No, they won't. <laughs> They're not, they, don't, they don't have the, the mouse yet. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, speaking of not being able to replace things, Jamie, you got a story? Get Games Edition, or CGE, are the publishers of Galaxy Trucker, Codenames, and Lost Ruins of Arnak, to name but a few. Now, they've recently announced that at Spiel 2023, they'll release a game called Kutnen Hora, the City of Silver. This game will be the first to feature a new material developed in Germany called Rewood, R-E-W-O-O-D. From the release announcement on the CGE homepage... This new technology combines wood waste and recycled binding material in an 80 to 20 ratio, creating biodegradable products including intricate board game bits. In a video on the material, it is explained that rewood is injection molded like plastic pieces, which means it can carry much finer details than are currently available through wooden components. CGE says that rewood components once made can be recycled over and over again into new components, making them 100% sustainable. The material itself is made from 100% recycled and natural materials and has been PEFC certified. Now that's the program for the endorsement of forest certification. Very good thing to have on your side. It's an organization that traces wood back to its source and ensures it's harvested sustainably. Now at the moment these components are being produced in Europe, but in the video that CGE provided, they explain they're going to be sharing the technology with other companies. They then provide an email at the bottom of the article that we will also share if you're interested in finding out more about it. And I gotta say, wood, you would assume, is a, in many ways a completely recyclable product. Although if you burn it in fire, it's not. Although, yeah. <laughs> never mind. Anyway. <laughs> Tie yourself in knots there. <laughs> I'm tucking myself in, uh, in mental knots. Anyway, the, the tactility will be interesting. Yes, they are showing off at Gen Con, I think. They've got some bits of it there. So Now, if you are listening to this, I believe, when you're listening to this, I believe Gen Con will have just finished in yes. 
Indiana? Yes, Indiana. Yeah. So uh, you might find about all about it uh, online. But uh, as we're recording it, we've no idea. But uh, yeah, wooden components, I quite like them. And part of that is the tactility, the feel of them. Maybe that's yeah. a little bit, you know, an elitist thing that, oh, I get to play with wooden components. Yeah, it will, like, the tactility will matter. And also, but I've also, I've sent a question to CG about the recyclability because obviously you can't just put it in the recycling bin. No. So can you send it back to them? How, how, how do they get recycled? Like the actual process. If you want to recycle it, bits out of your game, you want to get rid of a game and you want to recycle the bits. How is it going to be similar maybe to the Games Workshop thing they, they oh, released maybe, yeah, like, a while ago? Which I hope that's still going because I've got a bunch of sprues that I need to put in their yeah, bin. Because, well, yeah, Games Workshop they put bins in their shops that you could put sprue bits in, which is what James... It wasn't every... Sorry, yes. It wasn't, it wasn't every, every store, was it? They were trialing. No, it was yeah, certain locations. Yeah. They were trialing out a recycling scheme. I don't know if that scheme has come to an end, but one of them was the Glasgow store, in which I you know live in Glasgow. So I'll probably go tomorrow and have a look. Cool. What I find interesting about the story though is the idea that normally with the wood there'd be, you know, bits that are thrown away or, you know, shaved off or whatever. So by the sound of this, this is they're using actually lots of these sort of little offcuts bits and pieces and reconstituting them. And that is obviously much better than have any sort of wood waste whatsoever. So I you know from that perspective, it's reducing that waste and if it's then also recycling everything and it's made from recycling stuff in the first place, I mean it just yeah, sounds sounds pretty good. Very exciting. Mm. Sounds very interesting. So yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully learn more post Gen Con once uh, once they've announced a few more details. So on to the updates. Over the last couple of casts, we've been tracking the woes of publisher Peterson Games over their latest Kickstarter project, Cthulhu Wars: The Demon Sultan. Last time on Brainwaves, we reported that a mysterious benefactor had given the company the money necessary to bail them out of their shipping issues, and that games were now on the way to backers. In that update, the company also said they had big news coming. And now it's here. At the end of their latest update, the company posted this. At long last, you had to wait two full weeks. Here's a huge news. We are in discussions to partner with Catalyst Game Labs for the publication of our current and forthcoming board game titles. You can find their own press release here with a link to the press release. Pearson Games basically admit that they are good at designing games and bad at the production of games. Pearson Games will go from being a full-service company that's doing all the aspects of board game design, production and delivery, to focusing on the game design side of the business only and get Catalyst Games Labs to do the production side of the process. Catalyst Games Labs are the publishers of the Shadowrun RPG, amongst other properties like Battletech. Randall M. Bills, the managing director of Catalyst Games Labs, posted this on an announcement on their website. Sandy Peterson designed the original Call of Cthulhu role-playing game, as well as the seminal Age of Empire computer game series, which my sons and I have spent so many hours playing. He's left such an incredible mark on both the tabletop and computer game industries. And I've loved Cthulhu Wars from the moment I played it, along with several of his latest board games. It's an exciting opportunity to help a great game company, as well as look to the future for what we might develop together. Thanks once again to Mihai from our Discord server for updating us on this story. And it does seem that all is well that ends well. Like Pearson Games are admitting that they're not very good at the actual putting games out into the world, which is fair comment, really. Um, and they'll hand over those responsibilities to a company that's got a pretty good reputation for doing that, Countless Games Labs. So... Yeah, that seems like an actually good solution to their problems. Your little comment on their comment of being good at games, bad at everything else. 
Yeah, you put it in the right place here, it's not when you were doing the story, which had <laughs> me and Oliver just giggling. Yeah. <laughs> Professionally and professional. Yeah, absolutely. You, got, you know, you've got to time these things properly. Anyway, Oliver, the tea is still steeping. Yes, talking about fulfillment rows and all that. We last reported on the troubles that steeped games were dealing with in episode 120 of the cast and the original story in 116. Since then, it had gone very quiet, which wasn't unexpected. So we were a little surprised when Dan Kazmaier, director of creativity at Steeped Games, posted an update on the Chai T42 Kickstarter campaign page. In it, Dan thanks everyone for the encouraging emails, which allowed Dan to focus on getting the campaign fulfilled. Dan goes on to say that... The good news is that we finally completed the accessories and game, except for one translation, which we're finalizing with our localization partner. Once that's finished and we've printed those, we're good to go starting fulfillment. Everyone will be receiving all of their copies and everything they've paid for. As a reason for the long time of complete silence about the campaign, Dan says, To be completely honest, I've had a pretty tiring first half of the year. My mental health really suffered for some deaths in the family, and we stepped out of some conventions while taking a step back from things that were stressful and focusing on family. Dan goes on to apologise for long delays in the campaign and says that, there were many things that did not go our way with manufacturing, but other things were in my control that have been resolved. According to the Post, shipping will begin with backers in Asia, Australia and New Zealand at the end of August to mid-September, while other regions will follow after. Of course, it's great to hear that things are moving forward, and I know Steep Games, or I'm pretty certain Steep Games has some other Kickstarter campaigns still outstanding. I don't have access to those. I did back Chai T42 back when it was running, so that's why I had access to this update. Um, But yeah, it sounds like Dan had some tough time, which explains why they didn't attend conventions. But I always think that lack of communication, especially with Brian, who posted on the Chai High T reprint and expansion page, um, that, you know, Brian was left to try and move things forward, didn't hear anything from Dan. So the sort of whole lack of communication with anyone involved... Is is the problem, and we, we I think we all feel for for anyone who who has problems yeah. and, and you know deaths in the family is, is, is a horrible situation. But you think at least a brief update or something just to, to let people know what's going on would have been helpful, or, or even let Brian, who is the community basically community managing for them, let know so that he can properly tell people, you know, here's what's happening. Sorry for that. Please be patient. Yeah. Please be patient with us, etc. You know. Communication is key, as we've said multiple times on this cast when it comes to Kickstarter campaigns. Definitely, yeah. Now, we've got some good news, Jamie. Back in May 2022, on episode 98 of Brainwaves, we covered the beginnings of a trade union forming at Card Kingdom, a US-based retailer of collectible card games. On the 31st of July 2023, the union announced they had voted to approve a contract from the management of Card Kingdom. And from the press release, Bob Woods, the vice president of Card Kingdom, said this. We're very proud and excited by the results of our negotiations with UFCW 3000. This has been a productive and collaborative process from day one, and our approach has remained simple. Honor the union process and employee voices while not trading our customer expectations and cultural foundations that make us who we are. This agreement is the embodiment of that balance and compromise. From market-defining inclusivity provisions to industry-leading wages, benefits, and workplace experience programs, Car Kingdom was and remains a great place to work for all employees. That's great to see. I'm really glad that yeah. a contract has been a contract has been uh, approved, and you know it's been voted on by the members as well. You know, a very important part of a of a union's process. But yeah, 
here's hoping this spreads. We are seeing much more, not just in gaming, in yes. so many different areas. People going, actually, no, we want fair working representation. And hey, Card Kingdom is uh, might be one of the trailblazers. I was going to say, it's nice to see them actually making or putting out a press release about this as well, actively yes. sort of shouting about it rather than going, oh, yeah, we'll, we've accepted this now, but let's not talk about it. So this is well, great. It, it's, this is great. It's, it's, it's the vice president of Card Kingdom itself. It's not the union talking about, which is the UFCW. Yeah. But, you know, it's... it. But that's what I mean. It's, it's just the, the, the company themselves going, yeah, we've, yeah. we've now got the union in and we're, we're happy to talk about it. Working with, yeah. Yeah, we heard, we've heard before where unions have formed, but the company itself, that where the union was formed, has really not talked about it. It's like they've accepted it begrudgingly, whereas Card Kingdom seems to be embracing it and going, right, this is the right thing. We're moving forward, we're improving things. So it's great on all fronts, definitely. Yeah, let's see how that goes. Keep go- how, how, Let's see how it keeps going. Good, though. Get ready for a terrible link, everybody, from Card Kingdom to the Magic Kingdom. Ian. <laughs> I think I'm just going to leave. Over the last couple of casts, we've been bringing you updates on the Upper Deck versus Ravensburger lawsuit. This suit was brought by Upper Deck over the Disney Lorcana CCG, which is launching at Gen Con. Gen Con will be all wrapped up by the time you listen to this. Now, in the last cast, we reported that Ravensburger had moved to dismiss the case, basically citing the length of time that it had taken Upper Deck to make a move as one of the primary reasons that the case should not go ahead, as well as there not being sufficient evidence that the reported illegality happened in the state of California where the lawsuit was being brought. In response to this, Upper Deck have filed an amended complaint basically detailing all the reasons why the suit should be brought in California, including details of meetings between Ryan Miller, the designer named in the suit, and Upper Deck in that jurisdiction. We aren't going to go through all the minutiae here, we'll link to the Twitter thread, but uh, Paul Lesko, who we've linked to a couple of times before, sums it up like this. First, Upper Deck amended its complaint. Second, the new jurisdictional arguments are stronger. Three other gaps were filled, and four, Ravensburger Miller now has to face a corporate infringement claim, in part because they moved the case to federal court. Yeah, the reading down Paul uh, Lesko's t- thread about this uh, in d- a bit more depth, we just summarized it here. He basically thinks that Upper Deck have kind of outmaneuvered Ravensburger a bit on this, uh, allowing Upper Deck to begin the makings of a copyright infringement claim because it's been moved to a federal court instead. It's still going to be a very long while before any of this comes to any conclusion. Uh, as Paul points out in the comments under the thread, most cases like this uh, get, end up getting settled out of court. So, yeah. Also, we'll Disney happens. is involved. And if Disney gets its lawyers involved, who knows what's going to happen? Because so many times in various different types of law, uh, Disney can just kind of do whatever the heck it likes. Yeah, that's totally true. But Oliver, the One Ring has finally found a home. It has. Over the last few casts, we've been bringing you updates on the search for the one-off card. The One Ring, one-of-one card. From the Lord of the Rings, Tales of Middle-earth set for Magic the Gathering. The card had been found. Hurrah! And the owner was figuring out who to sell it to uh, last time we reported on it. Well... Now the story is at an end because rapper Post Malone has purchased the card from the owner for a whopping 2.6 million US dollars. The card had been valued at 2 million US dollars before. Joshua Brooke, the owner of the card, said this in an interview with site Geek Culture. When I found the One Ring, the first person who came to mind was Post Malone. I have played MTG since I was a kid, and obviously it would be amazing to keep this card. But for a guy like me, being able to sell it is life-changing. 
I just really hoped it would go to someone who would appreciate it as much as I do. This is my dream come true. Meeting Post Malone and him buying the One Ring card for me is literally a moment straight out of a fairy tale. Post Malone, you have changed my life. Things like this don't happen to people like me. I guess it's magic. I am forever grateful. Yes, it is probably magic. Anyway, thanks to Ross from our Discord for making us aware of the conclusion to the story. Now, yeah, 2 million, 2.6 million, I mean, who's counting? Um, maybe the That's money's gone up because they want to get some of the tax covered. I, I don't know how it's going to work. Oh, no, no, it's it'd a be, huge amount. The 2.6 he would pay, but also I think, I think I remember I talked about it last time, that about a million and a half of that maybe is probably going to go uh, to the Canadian income, like basically the equivalent of um, HMRC. Capital gains tax. Yeah, capital yeah. Gains tax that's it, yeah, capital yeah. gains tax. Yeah. No, maybe with that amount of money, I'll be able to hire some good lawyers to get some of that back or something. I don't know. Sorry, when I found the one ring, the first person <laughs> came to mind was Post Malone. No, really? <laughs> I mean, he's a, he's. A, I mean, I don't know Post Malone at all, but he's apparently an incredibly vocal Magical Gathering fan. And he's very, that's, very, but he's that's, very well that's fine. That's why I don't know him personally either. You know, I, I only know him. I don't call him Post. I call him by his full name. We, you know, we, we only met at mealtimes. But <laughs> he called Mr. Malone. Person, Mr. Yeah, of course. I mean, that, that's on a Sunday. But, sorry. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> lost the thread. Let's, 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 let's move on. Yeah, please, let's move on. Right. In episode 124, we gave you a rundown of the finalists for this year's Diana Jones Award, one of the most prestigious awards in all of tabletop gaming, and I think it's one of our favourite awards as well. It celebrates excellence in gaming and has been awarded to people, conventions, movements, as well as individual games. It really covers a real broad spectrum of tabletop gaming. Now, this year's winner is the Coyote and Crow RPG by Connor Alexander from Coyote and Crow. This is a tabletop RPG set in a world where the colonization of America never happened and imagines what the future would have looked like. It's developed by a team of Native Americans. Fantastic. This has been coming up so many times the past year. Fantastic yeah. win for Coyote and Crow. Congratulations to all the nominees. Definitely. And uh, yeah. Yeah. enjoy your Perspex Pyramid with the fragment of the Indiana Jones RPG. Not anymore. No, it's, not it's, yeah. it's, just a, it's just a weird pyramid now. It's just, I, I, th I thought they might even have like another tiny scrap, so just a, just a Perspex Pyramid. Yeah, it's just a weird per Perspex Pyramid now. Shame. Not even a photocopy of that scrap, come on. Oh, come, yeah. Yeah, no, come on, you can, there is PDFs of it, you can just print yeah. a PDF of it, like <laughs> print it on that, print out the title page. Dip in some tea to age it. Exactly, yeah. scrunch it up a wee bit, come on. It's not shrine. Come anyway, on, come on, Diana Jones, you're not, you're not doing well, come on. Anyway, on to the news. In August of 2022, eBay acquired TCG Player, one of the largest online marketplaces for collectible card games. In March of 2023, a 272-member union was formed within TCG Player, making it the first organised union in eBay's history. The union was formed as the workers alleged that their jobs, benefits and pay were being threatened by the merger with eBay, all aspects they say were not great to begin with. The union is filing an unfair labour practice charge against eBay, alleging that they have engaged in delaying tactics in meeting the union at the negotiating table. They also gave a press conference on the 31st of July to try and ferment offline action and pressure eBay to the table. eBay issued a statement to cite Dicebreaker, where we picked up this story. We are not aware of any unfair labour practice charge being filed. 
TCG Player's priority is, and always has been, to build a workplace culture that gives team members a voice and opportunity to actively shape their future and the future of the business. We are firmly aware of and committed to meeting any and all obligations we have under the National Labour Relations Act. We will continue to follow the procedures of the National Labour Relations Board, NLRB. At the onset of this process, TCG Player asked Region 3 of the NLRB to resolve the issue of whether our operations leads were supervisors and thus ineligible for representation by the CWA. The CWA pushed back on our request and Region 3 of the NLRB agreed to wait until after the vote to address the issue. Due to the CWA's position and Region 3's action, we now find ourselves with this core issue unresolved. We're equally frustrated by the delay in the process. However, we intend to abide by the legal process put forth by the NLRB. The CWA referred to in that, in that quote is the Communications Workers of America Union. And I am utterly shocked to find that eBay is dragging their heels on union action. Who knew what? that a gigantic what? company might not recognize a union voluntarily yeah. or you know delay action or anything like that? Wait, what? How, how, yeah. how could such a thing happen? Oh, oh no, this is entirely new news to me. Yes, indeed. Anyway, Oliver, you've got some news from the other side of the world, pretty much. Yes, the School of Psychology of Massey University in New Zealand has announced on Monday the 31st of July that they want to investigate the potential positive effects of gaming, focusing on tabletop role-playing games, or TTRPGs, as well as board games. And they have found the perfect name for this new research. GRAIL, the Gaming Research and Investigation Laboratory. Two lecturers, Mr. Garia and Mr. Hepton, will be managing the research. Mr. Sean Garia has published in areas of gaming related to cognition, cooperation, aggression and gambling. He's also worked for years in film and the arts, garnering experience in both writing and directing, which may explain his love of narrative storytelling and roleplay and the potential for psychological benefit. Mr. Hapton has published in the areas of social media, marketing, and drinking culture. He is very interested in board games, as his large collection attests, with special interest in games as cultural artifacts and tools of modern meaning-making. Explaining why they chose the name, Mr. Garia explains, We picked Grail as a name because it speaks to questing, which works both for gaming and adventuring, but also the quest for knowledge and research. Describing the potential of this project, Mr. Guerrero goes on to say, Play allows us to experiment, to try new things, to succeed or to fail with no major repercussions. Games allow us to grow and to learn. So just what kind of things are there that we can learn from the games that people already love to play? Imagine being prescribed some Dungeons and Dragons twice monthly for half a year. Or remembering to take your weekly dose of Gloomhaven or Wingspan. Slightly joking, of course, but think about the potential. His colleague, Mr. Hepton, adds, Games get us all around the table, talking, thinking, and interacting, which from a research perspective is a great foundation to build upon. Modern games are like any other creative piece of work. They can be a voice for communities or provide an opportunity to reflect on important topics and themes. Mr. Guerrero will be looking at the potential psychological, educational, and therapeutic benefits of playing and engaging in creative roleplay. He describes how a large section of the LGBTQ community has embraced TTRPGs of the last few years. The ability to be someone else, to try on a new skin, or to experiment with sexuality, gender and identity in a fun, welcoming environment has provided many players with a much-needed refuge. 
Mr. Gurea also mentions role-playing games written by First Nation peoples in the United States and generally believes that games can broaden people's horizons. Speaking about board games, Mr. Gurea recognizes that COVID-19 is likely to have had influence on the renaissance of the hobby. Given the more structured design of board games, this part of the research will focus more on cooperation, empathy, sociality and focused learning. Mr. Gurea and Mr. Hebden will also be launching the lab to the public at the upcoming Armageddon Expo on the 5th to the 6th of August in Palmerston North, New Zealand, running three sessions of games for attendees to participate in. Thank you to Sarah Reed from our Discord for bringing this to our attention. I think this is really interesting to to see. I mean, I love this sort of um, slightly joking idea of, you know, have a bit of Dungeons and Dragons for a few weeks because that yeah. might actually help you or play Gloomhaven or Wingspan. And again, personally speaking for, for myself as well, I, I do find that playing board games helps me with my mental health. It's it's just a yeah. time for me sure. to relax. So I can I can see that this research will identify something. Be interesting to see how much impact it actually has. But yeah. Very exciting. It's cracking. I think it's a great study. And I might just uh, link it to my family who live in New Zealand, who I introduced to Rhino Hero Super Battle over the past month and go, you might want to have a look at this. Good start. Strong start. Yeah. We're not done with uh, games and education just yet. No, the National Education Association in the United States is also seeing the benefit of board games and education. In a recent article on their website, they draw attention to the Tabletop Alliance a volunteer nonprofit that aims to advance education through the incorporation of games in the classroom. Bruce Brown is the founder of the Tabletop Alliance and said this about how they advise teachers. Some teachers might want games to demonstrate economic principles or historical lessons, others to align with social-emotional learning. We call each educator we send games to and find what will best align with the desired outcomes. The Tabletop Alliance believes that board games can help with a whole host of aspects in the classroom, including social issues, self-awareness, self-management, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making. Some games recommended by the Alliance include Number 9, Just One, and King of Tokyo. Thank you very much to Kevin Bertram from Fort Circle Games for bringing this to our attention. Now, Kevin Bertram is the head of Fort Circle Games, which makes votes for women. Uh, Kevin is also one of our executive producers uh, on Brainwaves, so... Clearing that just at the end here, just to say, he sent it to us. We're not being paid to say this. We like to state that, you know, any sources that we have yeah. are people that send it to us because we don't want to be accused of sneakily influencing people that give us money. No, indeed. We just like to be clear about that kind of thing, especially when folk, if when folk are sharing stories with us who like uh, contribute to the cast in any way or form. And we'll, we'll always be clear about that. We think it's the right thing to do. And we've got a new section, a new section just for this cast, because loads and loads of people have moved around the board game hobby in the last few weeks. First up, back in episode 125, we reported that Danny Lowe was leading Hatchet Board Games US. She was the marketing manager at that company. It was recently announced that Danny had joined Flat River Group as their hobby product marketing manager. Now, Flat River Group is a distributor and e-commerce specialist that also has a games division called Flat River Games. Jules Vatour, president of Hobby and Business Development, said this of the hire to ICB2. Danny Lowe has spent the past 10 years honing her craft with some of the strongest brands in our industry, and she's a great addition to the Flat River Group team. She's a real leader, and her ability to build both brand awareness and community are strengths we want to give a greater platform to. Next, we're talking about Bree Goldman, who was previously director of marketing English markets with Lucky Duck Games. And she has announced a move to Arcane Wonders as marketing manager. 
Arcane Wonders is the publisher of Furnace and Foundations of Rome, amongst many other titles. Brie posted this on Twitter with the announcement. I'm beyond excited to share the news that I have found my new home as marketing manager for Arcane Wonders. Yes, this does mean I will be at Gen Con, and I can't wait to see many of you there. Come visit me at booth number 529. And of course, this will be too late for you to visit them, because Gen Con will be over by the time you hear this. Ilya and Tyler are board game influencers who release content under the name Covray Studios. Tyler has recently announced that he is joining Hashit Board Games US in an e-commerce and analytics role. Hashit have been accelerating to become a big player in the board game world recently and have published games like the Spiel-nominated Icky. On a post on Twitter, Tyler announced, I'm thrilled to share that I've embarked upon my next epic adventure. I've officially started a new role as the e-commerce and analytics manager at at Hashit BG USA. One can say a dream come true. And finally, Ryan Shun is part of the YouTube channel Man vs. Meeple, where all sorts of games are covered. Ryan has recently announced that he'll be joining Japanime Games in the role of Marketing and Communications Manager. Japanime Games are the publishers of a whole slate of games out of Japan, including titles tied to popular anime like Attack on Titan and Sword Art Online. Japanime Games said this about the hire in a post on Facebook. Japanime Games is thrilled to announce a new addition to our team, Ryan Shun, who will be taking on the role of Marketing and Communications Manager. Many of you might be familiar with Ryan's work already as part of the board game YouTube channel Man vs. Meeple, but his years of tabletop experience and passion for board gaming make him an ideal fit for our team. He has worked on both sides of the industry, alongside publishers and content creators, and is familiar with the needs of the consumer as well. With Ryan on board, we are more determined than ever to expand our social media and marketing presence and offer inside access to our game lines, each one steeped in the world of Japanese anime and culture. As part of his new role, Ryan will work to foster meaningful relationships with influencers and applying our brand across multiple diverse digital platforms. Lots of moves there. Some folk from the influencer sphere stepping up to jobs in the industry. Um, thanks very much to Sarah from our Discord for letting us know about the Ryan Shun appointment. Uh, congratulations to everyone on their new positions. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I love that uh, the Hachette Board Games US story sort of linked together. Danny Lowe left and uh, Ilian uh, Tyler joining. And yeah, obviously lots of people moving and it is interesting to see this trend of what we probably would call influencers stepping into marketing roles. It sort of makes sense. But I mean, um, not all those are yeah. marketing roles. Like uh, Tyler's one is more about analytics and e-commerce, which I'm a bit, a little bit more comfortable with. I think influencers moving into marketing roles, I'm a little less comfortable with. I can't really put my finger on why. You just, I don't know, it just feels a bit odd, more odd. Speaking of jobs and people moving on, we have uh, the jobs, uh, opportunities and events section next. And as always, we'd like to point it to the Tabletop Jobs Facebook group. There's also jobs in there. I think we mentioned before, it tends to be US focused, but there'll be UK and other jobs. There's been more UK ones of late. Oh, good. I've noticed, yeah. So there's definitely a good few UK opportunities in there. Do check them out. So do have a look. Absolutely. And then we want to talk about uh, the... Uh, Evil Head Productions, uh, in the not-too-distant past, Evil Head Productions successfully funded their latest RPG, Apocalypse Keys, on Kickstarter. This is an RPG where you play powerful individuals on the side of good against the coming evil. Think Hellboy, Men in Black, and you are on the right track. The final stretch goal of the campaign was a fun to be given to creators of material, supplements, or new games inspired by Apocalypse Keys. This is called the 
Omen project and has been confirmed in the latest update to backers. There is a total fund of $5,000 up for grabs in chunks of $500. So you can apply multiple times if you have different projects in mind, uh, but they are primarily looking for supplements for the core game, but are open to other ideas. They are especially looking for new creators and people with marginalized identities. So reach out to them. There's a link in the notes of the show. And we just take, take a little moment to give a shout out to all our patrons. Thank you so much for continuing to give us a little bit of money every month. That really helps us with all our hosting costs and just running the show. Uh, we'd especially like to thank our executive producers, Kevin Bertram from Fort Circle Games, James Naylor from Naylor Games, and Sean Newman from the Game Lot team. Thank you so much for helping us out. You can join them for just $1 a month on our Patreon. There's various other ways to support us on the site, and we'll link to those in the show notes. Jamie's Jamie's back and he's the outro king. So but he's ex- you're exploding with excitement, isn't he? That's ex- exploding. Yes, it's really I, testing my patience. There's there's <laughs> there's, there's more than one. Uh, there's more than uno pieces of news you uh, might. Have. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> exploding kittens is not only see, the name of the game's class. company that produced. <laughs> <laughs> exploding kittens is not only the name of the games company that produces games with art from the popular oatmeal webcomic but also the name of a game by that company which raised 8.7 million dollars during its crowdfunding campaign in 2015 which at the time was the third biggest ever kickstarter project now it's also the name of a netflix tv show which is coming soon the full title being exploding kittens good versus evil Now, that TV show is being turned into a new version of the Exploding Kittens card game called Exploding Kittens Good vs. Evil. Now, how is the game different? Uh, The product description reads, It's still the highly strategic, kitty-powered version of Russian roulette you know and love, with new Armageddon cards which set up an epic battle of good vs. evil. So, not really different, just a couple of cards? So, to summarise... There's a webcomic which inspired a card game that got turned into a TV show that is getting turned back into a card game. Clear? Good. Me neither. Moving on. A job listing popped up from Mattel recently for Chief Uno Player. Now, from September, the lucky player will be working for four weeks in New York, including playing the new Uno Quattro, which has tiles instead of cards, for four hours a day for four days a week, amongst other duties such as sitting for long periods, lifting and carrying 50 pounds, and set up playing tables and tents on location. If that sounds you know, too good to be true, there's a couple of caveats. One, applicants have to be age 18 or over. Fine. Two, they have to apply via TikTok. Mm. Also, they have to be residents of the United States to be selected for the job. Mm. The job, however, as you might be able to guess, is currently paying, or says it's paying, $4,444.44 a week which works out as about £3,500 sterling a week. I mean, that's pretty good for playing Uno a, bit, a lot and, like, producing some content. Yep. Not bad. That's yep. not bad a week, and that's four weeks. And basically, yes. are you a demo of the game? I don't quite get this. I, I, think I, I, what, think, I think it is. I think the job listing had something along the lines of, like, they're testing new games and they want, like, someone to go out and basically play it with people and get feedback as to, is this game good? Right. Should okay. we produce it? Okay. I believe, I believe that's the case. So if you're in the US, apply. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So you have to play Uno a lot. Mate, I like Uno. Let's well, not poo-poo Uno. Yeah, let's not, let's not poo-poo. Come on. Ian, Ian, I'd, I'd like you 
to 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 go on record now because I I know you're editing this, but I don't care. <laughs> I want you to say to our lovely listeners that although we have talked about how we can like board games, almost any board game, you know, if you're playing them, great, good on you, unless they're the ones that are really offensive. For sure, for sure. However, you draw the line at Uno. I am not a fan of Uno personally. If you're a fan of Uno, fine. You heard it here I first. Don't. Ian hates Uno. He hates all of you. He hates all of us. We must rise up against Ian. Oh, I just if you want you. to support us, here are some links. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to support me, not Ian. Don't give Jamie money. Just you know, buy Uno cards with it. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. You can follow Oliver at tabletopgamesblog.com. Our Discord uh, will have an invite in the show notes if you'd like to come along and join our community. Our Twitter, I'm not calling it X. No one should call it X. It's Twitter. <laughs> our Twitter is the giant brain while it still exists. It's X. No, it's not. It'll always be Twitter to me. Uh, <laughs> our Instagram is giantbrainuk, and we are on threads, though I am more interested in blue sky really which i'm on as well i'll put a link to that in the show notes as well facebook's the giant brain our website giantbrain.co.uk and you can contact us about anything in the show or anything you'd like us to cover in future episodes at giantbrainuk at gmail.com thanks very much for listening folks we'll be back in a couple weeks time see you then thank you Bye. bye